This is Dina Marie, host of Faith Moments and the Voice of the Shepherd with a Franciscan Moment on Mater Day Radio. On Ash Wednesday, the Catholic Church begins the 40-day penitential season known as Lent. Catholics spend these six weeks preparing for the great feast of Easter, which lasts 50 days. What can we learn from the lives of the saints when approaching the season when we're called to focus on prayer fasting, and almsgiving. With me today is Franciscan friar, Father Dan Petit, to help us enter into this season of Lent and look particularly through this season through the eyes and the heart of St. Francis. Good morning, Father Dan. Thanks for joining us again today. Good morning, Dean and Marie. Good to be with you again, as always. And uh, uh, may we all have a real blessed Lent. This is a great time of grace. It's a wonderful opportunity. Again, the the pillars of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And I wanted you to give us a sense of, take us back to the life of St. Francis and how he approached Lent a, a little bit through his writings, through his example. What do we know about the Lenten season as uh, really observed by the Franciscan community? Well, uh, according to the rule, the final rule of 1223, which is the one the friars live by today in chapter three, all the friars were obliged by the rule to observe what was called the Great Lent, which is the 40 days leading up to Easter. And then, of course, the what was called the Lent leading up to Christmas. And of course, uh, Lent is a um, a word in English that comes from the old English Lenten, which means springtime. So it's a it's a springtime of the soul. It's intended to be that for the soul as you get ready for Christmas, as you get ready for Easter. And uh, those were the only two all the friars were obliged to was those two periods, 40 days at that time. Do we have writings from uh, St. Francis in terms of here are some things that we want to do within that period of time in terms of preparation, in terms of fasting, uh, almsgiving, of course, prayer? Yeah, we do. We have the, um, we have some in, uh, instructions communicated to us by followers in the biographies. The unusual thing about Francis is there's a lot of biographies that came out after his death about his life, and they told stories. That's that's the big way of telling the Franciscan uh, teaching was uh, stories. And there was one story which I think kind of captures the spirit of Francis. You know, Francis himself fasted so much and, and extremely, in fact. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But, um, you know, he never used his fasting as a means to shame anybody. In fact, uh, one year, Francis spent the, the Great Lent, that's the one leading up to Easter, and they were fasting with the brothers, and there was one brother that was unable to fast. He didn't have the strength uh, and wasn't able to fast like Francis did. And so Francis broke his own fast in order to eat with his brother because um because he says here, I wrote down, he says, No, brothers, that what I have done in eating, I have done by dispensation, not by desire, because fraternal charity commanded it. Mm. And see, that's what fasting can do. It gives you the freedom from desire that allows you to have that freedom for charity. And that's what Francis did. In eating, it wasn't an act of 
boy, I'm so hungry, I'm going to eat. But it was more an act of, I don't, I want out of love for this brother. And see, that's the fruit of fasting is, is love must grow through fasting as we detach more from our uh, desires, which of themselves aren't bad, but they have a tendency to creep up on us. Right. Absolutely. We're talking with Father Dan Petit as we enter into the Lenten season and really look at Lent through the eyes of St. Francis and the Franciscan community. When we uh, enter into Lent, we have those uh, readings with Ash Wednesday, right? We begin with the ashes on our forehead. Uh, Remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. Or we might hear repent and believe in the gospel. Give us a sense of this Ash Wednesday, this entering into, there's something physical that we even do as a church with the the ashes, which we would read about in the Old Testament, you know, the um, sackcloth and ashes in terms of this penitential season. What does this do to mark us and to really move us into a, a Lenten journey with Christ? Well, I think in some ways it's a sobering moment, Ash Wednesday, because it is a reminder that we are dust. We came from the dust of the earth, and unto dust we shall return. Uh, But we're also challenged at the same time to convert and believe in the good news, which is that from this dust and, and these ashes rises up Christ in the resurrection to revive us, and that one day we too will be revived. Well, that does require that we follow the way and the truth and the life. And so what Ash Wednesday is a reminder of, yes, memento mori, remember death, you are dust unto dust, but also remember the good news of what we're called to. And that's what we're fasting for. That's what we're giving alms for is to favor the grace of Christ in our souls and to inherit the promises of the gospel, which is ultimately a victory over uh, sin, death, and evil itself uh, in the end. Right. And we hear, Father Dan, of the Spirit. In fact, I think it's in three of the scriptures, right? The Spirit leads Jesus into the desert to be tempted. And again, there's these 40 days. Uh, We hear about 40 days, 40 years in the Old Testament with Moses. Uh, But this being led into temptation and then to encounter these temptations give us a sense of that 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 revelation there in scripture well as you'll notice uh it it says in mark's gospel that the spirit drove christ out into the desert and of course there's determination there uh as there was the desert fathers and mothers who went out into the desert in the early church they went out purposefully to contend with the Mm. devil and they did go out to to do battle with him and of course that's what christ did now the desert mothers and fathers would have never survived in the desert if christ hadn't known victory first uh because that's what christ does he goes out to defeat this creature who was cast down here to earth from the heavens he doesn't belong here he was created to be in the heavens. Well, he's exiled from the heavens to where we live. And he's he, he's been wreaking havoc ever since, starting with the whole record of Adam and Eve's fall. He tempted them and brought, you know, it's kind of like he's a thug. If I'm going down, you're going down. Right. You know, it's like 
He's like a mafia hitman. He says, I'm going down. Well, you think you're going up? Guess what? You're going down with me, and I'm taking you down. You know, well, our Lord went out and really in, in his own humanity uh, tore away the grip of the devil on our humanity and vanquished him uh, in the, with the temptations in the desert. And um, that becomes our hope of doing the same because uh, there's no way we could. He's a he's much stronger creature than we are, but Christ has overcome in the desert. Right. And our hope is in Christ that he <sighs> battled and we hear about the word of God, you know, and there's this play of words with the, the Satan knows Satan knows God's word. He just doesn't he, follow it. That's uh, right. And he turned away from God. And yet Jesus Christ knows and trusts in his father. Um, that's good news. Yeah. And you know, the biggest critic of us when we fail to live the word of God is Satan. He knows the word of God, like you mentioned, he knows it. And he knows when we break the word and he tempts us to break the word. And then as soon as we fall into his temptation, he jumps over to the other side and starts accusing us before God and says, you love this garbage? you got to be kidding me. And I love um, the first words out of Jesus' mouth when uh, he encountered Satan in, in Mark's gospel. He says, be quiet. Almost like, you know, I am so tired of listening to you complain about these people of mine. Will you please just be quiet? <laughs> mm -hmm. I love that, you know, because... There's always, you know, there's always, um, there's plenty of material to criticize in this world. But the difference following Christ makes is we can actually become part of the solution, but only when we follow him. Because, you know, uh, uh, a crooked, you know, we can't straighten in ourselves what's crooked in ourselves. And I'm not going to straighten out in you what's crooked in you when it's crooked in me. Uh, Jesus is the only way, you know, um, and uh, I just find that fascinating that uh, he comes to teach us how to love instead of criticize, you know, um, although there's, there's plenty that can go wrong. Don't get me wrong. We have to name evil for what it is and not put our heads in the sand. Don't get me wrong. But it's like evil isn't the final. It's not a period. It's a comma. It, it's never final after Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Um. That's so true. Father Dampity with us, Franciscan friar entering into the Lenten season through the lens of St. Francis. I want to continue our conversation. I have some more questions for you about the life of St. Francis, but we are coming up to a break, Father. Uh, hold on through the break and we'll finish our conversation in the next half hour. Sounds good. Thank you. This is Dina Marie, and I'm back with my conversation with Father Dan Petit, Franciscan friar. We are reflecting on the Lenten season, just started talking about Ash Wednesday and really looking at the season through the eyes of St. Francis and the Franciscan spirituality. Father Dan, we talked a little bit about this um, being led into the desert, and we hear in the Gospels of Jesus being even drawn and, and pushed, so to speak, but he's encountering, this is part of his, his mission is to face, again, the devil. Um, but we in our own lives face the devil in terms of temptation and sin. Uh, this is part of the uh, the 
consequences of original sin. Let's talk a little bit about this original sin, this this temptation that we have. We like sin. It we get we get some kind of satisfaction in many of the sins that we participate in, but we can also choose. God gives us the choice to love or to turn away from God. How did how did Saint Francis approach this this temptation of sin and the sin that he experienced in his own life? Well, I think in the first twenty years of his life, of course, he so lamented. We don't know all the details of it, but he did lament his previous life because he was uh, very plugged into a life of sin early on his first twenty years, and then, of course, the last twenty six years, he left the world, as the biographers say, and he never looked back. And I mean, even in death, he didn't look back. We don't have an incorrupt St. Francis. When they opened up his, his his tomb in 1982, it was just dust and ashes. He was out of this world. I mean, he left it, you know. And um, the, one of the ways he dealt with it, uh, we know this from the, from the fact that they did bone analysis on some of his bones in his uh, in 1982, and they did find evidence for malnutrition. He was very strict with his body. And he would fast sometimes 40 days on nothing but water. And then he would take a bite out of a piece of bread on the 39th day so he wouldn't equal Jesus. Uh, I mean, and that's severe. And you do that maybe two, three, four times a year. And that, that can really do a number on your human nature. And he did apologize later, though, at the end of his life to what he, he called his body brother ass, which sounds kind of bad. But uh, I like C.S. Lewis' comment on um, Francis calling his body brother ass. He, he said, you know, if you think of an ass, if you overburden it, it's just going to shut down and sit there. And you can beat it, and it's not moving. It gets very stubborn. So you have to kind of cajole it. you got to learn to cultivate it and, you know, take good care of it, yes. And and I think that's something Francis was aware of, too. You had to, you had to, um, it, it, it wasn't our, our human efforts. It was, it was the spirit of Christ. You fasted according to the spirit. In fact, you know, that's one of the other stories. When he got back from Syria, you know, he preached to the sultan. When Francis got back from Syria, you know, he went down to Syria. They had a house there. He went over to Damietta, preached to the sultan, and he was disappointed he wasn't martyred, came back. And the brothers came and said, Francis, there's all kinds of trouble in Assisi. you got to come back. He gets back, and one of the things he discovered is the two brothers that he put in charge while he was away immediately instituted fasting laws the brothers like the monks like the benedictines he got so upset with that he said you don't fast according to laws you fast according to the spirit it has to be done in charity uh, and not just following a rule you know like and that was one of the things that gave us an insight into how francis fasted he fasted according to the holy spirit who subdued his nature it wasn't uh Look at me, you know, I'm just fasting so much and, you know, that kind of thing. Right. 
Well, and I think we can get tempted to do just that. Well, if I follow these particular rules over here or the church asks me to do that, we're doing it because uh, it's part of a discipline rather than how am I loving? How am I becoming more Christ-like? We may miss the point and, and maybe waste that. I mean, nothing's wasted, but but our intentions may not be totally clear. Uh, how, how do we maybe focus more on I don't want to check off all of the lists. I want right. to live more charitable, more Christ-like. And there's a temptation in our world to achieve, <laughs> achieve that Lenten fast. Right. Well, you know, uh, that's a really good point, uh, Dina Marie, because, you know, if you think in terms of the five foolish virgins coming in, coming to Christ, uh, he basically looked at them. They were virgins. And he said, I don't know you. I I don't know you. And and they stayed outside in the darkness and the wailing and the gnashing of teeth. They were virgins and they didn't get in, you know, because it's not what we do, what saves us. It's a relationship that saves us. And that's with the living God in Jesus Christ. That's what saves us. That's what transforms us. That's what reforms us and refashions us internally and makes us more loving like like you say we have to become more like christ and that's a work of god within us you know by the work of by the grace of our baptism confirmation the holy eucharist the sacraments uh, and yes some of these things we do when god inspires us to fast for example or give alms or you know that kind of a thing right now, you mentioned, Father Dan, the Desert Fathers, the Desert Mothers going out into the wilderness. We have pilgrimages. We have retreats today. We have these opportunities for reflection. Where where do they fall into us deepening that relationship with Christ, going on some of these, quote, religious um, journeys or retreats? Yeah, well, you know, the pilgrimage concept began when... Islam took over the holy sites in the Holy Land. And so Christians weren't able to travel to those lands freely without some danger. And so what they began to do is they would take pilgrimages in Europe itself to various uh, churches or sites. For example, the St. James in Spain became a great pilgrimage site where people would go and and what you would do is generally um, take up and leave everything behind and you just walk and you would fast and you would pray. And you were on a journey, kind of like Jesus with the apostles on their way to Calvary, you know, that sort of a thing. That was the idea of the pilgrimage. It was a it wasn't a vacation. You know, we're going to go sightseeing. No, its purpose was prayer, fasting and, uh, of course, caring for the poor along the way. Right. And today there are opportunities for us. Uh, You've been to Our Lady of Peace Retreat House here in the Beaverton Mm -hmm. area, but there's opportunities to kind of stop the busyness of your day, maybe to take time out of your work week and to say, I need to dedicate some quiet time. Uh, Maybe just it's that adoration hour in the chapel that you just haven't done, but it's there. And Jesus is waiting for an encounter. Um, but it's our choice. We need to make those decisions to change our schedule, to have Christ in it more often. Yeah. You know, like he said, he said, like you, like the gospel says, you know, let your no mean no 
And your yes mean yes. Uh, anything else is from the enemy, you know, like, uh, but please don't say no to me and then look at me with a sincere look, like we're on we're on the same page. Uh, no, let your no mean no. And let's be honest about this. And spend some time because it's it's a relationship that's going to save us. Uh, it's not going to be our meager efforts. And yeah, uh, it's kind of like what I think a lot of us do is we go, ready, fire, aim. And and what you got to do is check into prayer and it's ready, aim. Okay, you got to get your aim. Spend time with the Lord. What's he asking of you? And then fire, you know, instead of getting it backwards. Um, and, you know, Francis, uh, as I mentioned earlier, he had, uh, there's two 40-day two periods that were required of the, all the brothers. But Francis himself used to practice five of them in a year, which meant out of 365 days, he was spending 200 of them in solitude and prayer, and then the rest of the time in the apostolate of preaching. But that's more than half of the year in solitude and prayer with Jesus, and that's where his fire came from, you know. And that priority to prayer instead of just heading out there and starting to do uh, is is like you say it's so important we become like the master and you do that by way of the relationship right father dan petit with us franciscan friar inviting us to take saint francis along on this lenten journey and as we come to a close father dan i guess your mm -hmm. invitation or maybe a suggestion you have for us to enter into this time of the lenten season and to observe it well yeah, my, my recommendation would be, um, instead of saying, ready, fire, aim, why don't you come before our Lord and say, okay, Lord, what would you like for me to do this Lent? I'm sure he has something to say to every one of us, and but we just need to hear it. Faith comes through hearing, Romans 10, 17. We need to hear it. So to tune in first and then step into Lent. I'm sure you'd have a very powerful Lent if you followed that. Absolutely. Well, we thank you so much for your time, Father Dan. We'll get you back in here during the Lenten season. Help us get ready for that Easter feast. But first, yeah. let's have some time in prayer. Would you help us close with your prayer and priestly blessing? Sure. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for a generous portion of your Holy Spirit sent upon us by you and your Son. Jesus, whom we seek to follow, we pray that you will lead and guide us all in our observance this coming Lent through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And may the blessed mighty God descend upon you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Dan. Have a blessed Lent. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dina. It's good to be with you again.